1: chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast (laughs) Um, (laughs) my nephew needs me to record see i hate i
2: already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to a monday afternoon edition of the chase thomas podcast i am joined by old friend of sny david bertsberger david good afternoon sir how are you
0: i'm good chase how you doing
2: not uh not too bad we're we're officially in springtime david um how excited are you about uh being able to, you know, frolic around potentially vaccinated up in New York City this summer?
0: Uh, I think it's going to hopefully, you know, if things keep on the right track, it's going to be a, a big party this summer. But mm-hmm. uh, I can tell when someone's a new New Yorker versus a, a tried and true New Yorker because they get a little overexcited at the first week of good weather. New York has these like fake weeks of like, oh, it's the next season already. It's like, no, it's not. You have this for a week and then we're going back. to It's actually just like... Early spring, it's going to be relatively chilly for a bit, but it's warming
2: up. It's nice. Okay. How do you rank? What are your what are your spring, summer, fall, winter rankings? How do you do it in New York? Really. Um, in New
0: York, I mean, spring and fall they're they're kind of condensed. These, I feel like everything's either like summer or winter now in New York. So okay. spring and fall, when you get like that nice few weeks of just like perfect hoodie weather those those are one those are one and two one a one b uh, summer 3rd and then and then winter just just like 18th or something.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that. Um you've been going to some Knicks games since they opened back up. What is the uh what has the experience been like for you being back in the arena and just uh what what it's like being in MSG right now?
0: It's it's surprisingly just just awesome. I mean, um the process is is a few steps, but it's really not too complex. Um as long as you're okay with getting your brain poked, uh, you know, the two K fans really like that you, you hear them, you know, they're they're pretty rowdy and hmm. because it's so it's so limited, it's not really the, the tourists you'll get, the suits you'll get. It's a lot of just, you know, really hardcore Knicks fans. So everyone's going kind of crazy and, and happy to cheer the team on and you know, you get to enjoy MSG without the lines, which is pretty exciting and and there are other benefits to just not having as many fans. Like you get in early and you and you see fans in the in the lower bowls, like calling out to guys, like "It's Todd Todd Gibson," and you saying hi, oh, you know, nice little interactions you might not get uh, if if the stadium's a little more full. So it's it's you know, as, as much as I want to return to normal, it's it's pretty cool just to be back.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple different things today on this podcast, David. Um, the Hawks and the Bucks have won a combined ninety-seven games in a row since we last. Uh, spoke. Um, the Hornets lost LaMelo Ball. Unfortunately, the Raptors are free-falling. Um, and Sacramento. Uh, there's only two guys that they have just like, you know, we, we can't move this player. Um, or these players, excuse me. Uh, but first, I want to ask you about the Bucks and the Hawks. I think this is a very interesting development in the East. The Heat have obviously righted this ship as well. Getting healthy and getting Jimmy back has been great for them, even though they've kind of been Playing 500 basketball as of late, um, they seem like they're going to be fine. They're going to be a playoff team. They'll be fine. Um, what do you What do you make of the Hawks and the Bucks, and who do you think you have a better pulse on at the moment?
0: Um, probably the Bucks. I sort of think they're just returning to form as to what they should be. You know, they didn't have Drew for a while, and getting him back um, and really getting him implemented, I, I think it's helped a lot. Uh, you're just sort of looking at. A similar team to what we saw the last couple of years now, if you're asking for a read on what they do in the playoffs, that's an entirely different question because this is it's just hard to hard to guess how they translate from the regular season. Cause you know not they're just being the regular season behemoth we're used to, and it's nice and then they're you know nice roster, great defense but you know how they actually match up come the playoffs is gonna be is gonna be the big question so it's a wait and see on that um this just sort of feels like the Bucks normal. The Hawks, I'm going to wait and see on it. I feel like I'm – why do you have me on the podcast? Chase? I don't have any hot takes, any hot analysis. Like, I don't know. We'll wait and see. The Hawks are – they're coming off this sort of post-coach uh, firing bump, which five or six years ago I ran a sort of rudimentary, not very skillful math analysis on, like, how teams do – when they do a, a midseason coach firing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually if they've lost the locker room or, or they, you know, whatever the case may be, there's been too much losing, they're not a great coach. Uh, the change itself will spur, like, a nice little bump in those next 10 games, 15 games or so, and then fizzle out a little bit back to normalcy. And we have to wait and see if the Hawks follow that trend. Their schedule has been weak, to say the least. Uh, I can pull it up here if, if basketball reference will it's load. A, but...
2: It's a pretty weak schedule, yeah. But yeah, they're on a up. long, long Western Conference road trip. They just uh, took care of the Lakers. They had the Clippers. Um, they they're all over the place um, on the road for a while. Golden State, Sacramento, all that kind of deal. So they're it's about to get tough.
0: That's when we'll really find out like what this is about. Now, even if it's not like how they've been playing recently, um, they can still pretty easily sneak into the East playoffs. I feel like, especially now with with Lamel Ball injured, like you said um but yeah these teams they've beaten are you know looking at the Raptors the Magic the Kings the Cavs the Rockets the Thunder the Lakers without LeBron that's the only the Heat and Magic wins were pretty impressive but we're gonna have to wait to see how they fare against some stiffer competition
2: yeah I um I am very fascinated to see what the Hawks do and I tweeted this out because Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had this piece um outlining like, kind of the trade deadline at the Ringer and I uh so one of the things about the hawks like travis schlink has gotten some things right he's gotten some things wrong you're not going to believe this like he said not a lot of hot ticks um i am i'm really hard on him because i think he overall has done a bad job as general manager of the hawks i don't think he's done a great job i don't think he's done a good job i think we'll have to see ultimately what happens with hunter and what he does with collins but as of right now he gets a, a failing grade um in terms of what he has done with the The amount of runway he's had since coming over to Atlanta, Um, punting on Reddish seems like what is going to happen here. He's included in some trade talks, and if you want to get Lonzo, that might require Reddish um if you want to get marcus smart that might require reddish and then of course like that's just going to drive me up the wall because you put reddish next to jalen and uh <laughs> jason tatum then it's just like oh, of course this dude's just going to pan out and then they're just going to have the trio of wings young wings that all do everything they switch all five positions and it's great um reddish has the most upside of anyone in the hawks roster like he is more talent than Trey young does he ever maximize it i don't know probably not in atlanta but um those kind of wings who can do it all, potentially, are just more valuable and they're just harder to find and they dominate um both conferences when you have guys like that. Um I don't really know how you get out of this with Cam Reddish because even when he comes back, whenever that is, DeAndre Hunter Reached a new level which is important that's a huge win the hawks deserve credit for developing him and him starting to shoot off the dribble and adding that to his game because if he becomes a playmaking wing that changes the hawks trajectory it changes the way we have to think about them in the next couple of years all that kind of stuff um now it looks like they're telling teams that they're gonna match john collins <laughs> this summer and that he's not going anywhere and there's always been some weird stuff with him and trey so it's like okay that's kind of strange um you already paid capella and he's in the books for a couple years so that's a lot of money to pay for two bigs in today's nba but also john collins is a really good basketball player and you can see that capella misses sometimes and like i I can understand of just like the rotations and we have we can just uh have collins in for a little bit capella in for a little bit and then sometimes based on the matchup we can put them both in and just kill teams and boards like I, i understand all that um i just the other part of the Luka trade was Reddish, and it's like, they lost it. If it's straight up Trey versus Luka, you lost that. Like, it's over. But the whole thing about Reddish was, now if you get two stars instead of the one, then, yeah, it's a wash. But they're going to have to put on Reddish because there's no avenue for him to play in crunch time anymore. There's no avenue. They can't wait on Cam Reddish anymore. This team is now a playoff team. This team is too too veteran-heavy to allow reddish to bring down five-man units like you just can't have him out there and just freelancing and figuring stuff out that young players have to do so they they mess up the timeline there and they expedited the timeline some of that i don't even know if it's is it wrestler is it steve coonan is it uh <laughs> travis Shlink. i don't know who sped up the timeline like Lloyd pierce kind of guaranteed the playoffs this year which was probably not the best idea from him but I, uh, I don't know. I think there's all kinds of interesting storylines here. And the Marcus Smart-Lonzo stuff is weird because uh, I don't think you can pay either of them and both of them. I, I just, I don't know. I guess Marcus Smart, I'm more interested in next to Trey. And I'm more interested to see how he would fit with this group and if he could close with this. Like him and DeAndre Hunter on the wing is, is huge. Like that, that's great. And then you have Capella inside. Like, yeah, that all makes sense. But if you're paying Collins... And tra- I I don't know I just think that the Hawks are still they're just getting even more antsy about adding veteran help and sacrificing Reddish man like that they're gonna get around it and they're gonna say hey look we're we're ahead of schedule and we can't wait on blah 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 but like he was your other crown jewel of that trade and by you admitting failure in developing him and not waiting on him it I don't know I think that's I for me if I was giving a grade I'm just like well he's got to go like if Schling's got to go because that is who he will be defined as is missing on cam reddish with trey like that is how it should have been and if you want to say well he hit on deandre hunter by training up for him that's great but deandre hunter's upside is still not as high as what cams could have been i know i just threw a bunch at you david but this was i guess this is my therapy session for the hawks and trying to figure out where i am that's
0: about that's about listen it's, it's a good problem it's a good problem to have i guess it's the Hawks are one of these things that's just like a weird conglomeration of talent. It's like, what do I do with all this? I don't think there's a name outside of like Trey young that I I haven't seen on the trade block for him. I saw Capella mentioned, you just mentioned him. I saw Boyan mentioned or Bogdan, I should say, sorry. Uh, It seems like they just sort of went, you know, full throat in the the playoff thing this, this off season and just signed what they could and, and they just tried to, to make sense of it in the, in the regular season and training camp and with, with injuries and with weird development cycles, it just all—it was hard to sort of, uh, I guess, mesh and, and get it together. Um, yeah, trading reddish. Listen, I like the Lonzo Ball idea because he's still young and he helps you win now. And I think the pairing with with Trey Young is definitely pretty interesting. Um, if Ball can keep shooting the way he is, especially, that—that's an interesting pickup. Yeah, it's it, it's strange. Uh you it's almost like they, they were waiting on some big star to get to get available, like like a Beale, Bradley Beal or something like that. And to just throw all their young pieces at that and just say, Okay, cool, now we can just compete with, with Trae Young and Bradley Beal and these veterans we got and and go from there. But I like uh I like Onyeko Kangoo. Do you see him playing? It's pretty nice.
2: I mean, but if you pay Collins, where is he playing? What are you doing? Where does he fit? You already have Capella in the books. You have Collins now. If you max him out for four years, or not even the max, or close to it, like, where is the avenue to him getting consistent playing time? You have to play Gallo, who is also under contract for several more years. Like, where's the path? Where's the rotation minutes?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to keep it positive for you, Chase. I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) know. I mean, like, it's not even (laughs) just like a
2: positive thing. I'm just like, these are real things that I would just love to be in the meeting room with the Hawks management be like, okay. Explain to me how you're doing this. Explain to me why you took a big in the lottery when you were considering paying Collins and you already traded for Capella. Where's the path? They're both young. They're both guys that you're paying a lot of money to. Where is Unkongwu going to play? Where are the minutes coming? Who? who, How does this work? He can't play the three. Um, you have Gallo who's locked in and he has to get 20 plus minutes. Like, where where are the minutes for Unkongwu? Like, I I just need for you to explain this to me. And now Nathan Knight, he's now a solid backup center. Like Nathan Knight has been a revelation. He's good. That dude is a yeah. good basketball player. Like, he is a good NBA rotation big. So, guess what? Where does it come in? Are you sacrificing Nathan Knight for Owen Uh, Guess what? When you're going for the playoffs, can't do it. Got to go with the guy who's better. So, he's out. Like, goodbye. And then, you have the Bruno Fernando, who should never be on the floor ever again. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's it's going to be complicated. And I think the Hawks are going all in on a team that just can't win a title. And they've they got Antti and they should have been more proactive in not signing these veterans i would have just kept being bad and kept letting cam and deandre and herder and trey and collins i mean is fine because he has not moved the needle either way but like the deadman types like just just keep doing it and bet on it and see what happens and if all those young guys flame out guess what you you flamed out trying to develop a great young core but now it's like this weird hodgepodge that like i don't even know who qualifies as their core outside of trey young anymore and that's that's a problem um the bucks though they add pj tucker and i'm curious for like what do you think do you think dante de vincenzo can be the the closing piece because we know it's gonna be Giannis, we know it's gonna be middleton we know it's gonna be drew um we know it's gonna be pj Brook lopez can't move anymore is Dante or Pat Connaughton enough to get by the Nets? Because now you have to measure everything against Brooklyn. I just, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that?
0: I actually had a lot of faith in DiVincenzo, and I thought, like, the fifth guy that, that would be in question, is is it a P.J. Tucker? And he's, I guess he's sort of filling in as that fifth guy. Um, funny thing, the, the Bucks are only ninth in defensive rating this year. Mm-hmm. I uh, th- thought that kind of surprised me. Um, they've gotten better over recent games. Now that Drew's back, and... And obviously PJ Tucker will help. So I, I can see that lineup with with Dante and, and PJ Tucker. Yeah, you know, we we have to see how it how it looks for a little bit. Um stacking them up against the Nets is is man, I don't want to compare anything to their Nets right now because they're just playing ridiculous without Kevin Durant even on the court, getting Blake Griffin to dunk again. It's it's some magic going on in Brooklyn, I don't know. But um yeah I actually have a lot of faith faith in DiVincenzo. I think I think he's a pretty pretty solid all around guy. And he's, he's already had a few, uh, one, one or two years of playoff testing. So he was never really in question for me as part of that closing lineup Lopez. Like you said, I, he, I don't think he's been the same since that first season with the Bucks, where he just looked incredible on both ends. Um, but yeah, I, we, we have to see how PJ Tucker, cause, uh, the whole NBA, uh, world is sort of assumed that once he's off this, Bad Rockets team and back on a contender, everything will just sort of set right with them, and the corner threes will start falling, and the defense will pick up. But he's an older guy, so we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see how he how he performs there.
2: We shall see. We shall see. Um, Lamella Ball, he's out now for the season. It looks like. What does this mean for Charlotte?
0: Uh, okay, you know what? I, I did bring a hot take today. I, okay. I don't think. Win-loss record-wise, you know, competing for the playoffs-wise, this is too big an impact. Simply because when you look down the roster, sort of perimeter creation doesn't seem to be their, their biggest weakness. You know, Rogier's having a career year. He's really good. Gordon Hayward's looking great this year, looking healthy. You know, he, he's strong. Malik Monk, not a creator per se, but he's been scoring really well. He's finally looking like the Malik Monk they – they hope they would get when they drafted him. Uh, you have the Martin brothers, the they both sort of can do things on the pick and roll. And and losing ball can maybe open up, you know, Devontae Graham a little bit to to, to bounce back and start playing the way he was a year or two ago. Um, I, I don't think they're losing to it's also strange when you actually look at these their net rating with him on the court versus off. They're actually better with him off the court. I'll take that with a grain of salt, whatever it's net rating. It's you know, it could say a lot of things, but I think the fact that they've managed to to do decently without him on the court is pretty tell I should probably filter this for for maybe like the second half of the year or after the first couple months. But, yeah, I think they might still manage to be okay in the playoffs this such for the long term. Like hopefully there's no recurring issue or, or lingering stuff at the wrist because um, he's just been playing so well and he's a damn good rookie and, and really looks like he could be a star one day but I think the horns can, can manage and and still make the playoffs. And I don't know about making noise once they get there, but at the very least make the postseason.
2: Yeah. I think they're, they have the depth and they had the trio of guards and now it's just going to be a little bit more limited. I think like Monk will have to take a bigger role now, um, in this rotation. Maybe they add another guard, uh, before the deadline, but, um, I don't know if you're a big Martin twin guy, but I guess one of those guys might, uh, might come into the world a little bit more, but, uh, Devontae Graham and, um, this group, I think will be, will be fine. Him and Terry Rozier, And Terry Rizier is not going to suddenly stop shooting well from, from deep Bob is catching shoot threes without the mobile. They'll just be, uh, different and a little bit less fun, but, um, yeah, it's sad. Cause he has so it seemed... a lot less love on pass. Yes. Yes. I would agree. Um, can I give you some breaking news? are recording this podcast, David. Oh boy. Uh Aaron Gordon has Look. officially declared for a trade. Asked for a trade out of Orlando. Wow. And he has had Orlando and Houston have reportedly held significant Aaron Gordon trade talks. Two first-round picks um have been thrown out by Houston per Shams. <laughs> I would not give up two first-round picks for Aaron Gordon. I think that's that's insanity.
0: That seems a bit aggressive. I guess they don't want to part with any of their current young guys because you you want to build around them and they've got some talent there and, like, Tate and some of these other guys. But, yeah, wow. Um, Gordon's always – I mean, this is just – like, Zach Lowe always says this all the time. Like, as soon as Aaron Gordon decides he wants to be Draymond and not LeBron, he's going to unlock a a whole new part of his game. But it sounds like if he's going to Houston – I think it's going to go more the LeBron way, and he's going to be trying to do his mid-range fading and his off-the-dribble stuff, you know, stuff that Frank Ntilikina can lock up. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, didn't 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 see that one coming.
2: Speaking of Frankie Smokes, has what is he still have his streak going of like zero field goals made in like four plus games? Where is he at right now?
0: No, saw... no, he had a, he had a big in a big game against the Magic. Okay. Hit a hit a shot. Hit a shot last night against the Sixers. Good.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never quit, Frank Melakino. What was it? Like three games never. where he had like he was 0 for 15 over a three game stretch. It was, it was pretty crazy. Um the Raptors have fallen off a cliff. Um they they've just been destroyed by depth. Season from hell, having to play in Tampa. Um Kyle Lowry reportedly wants to play for a title contender. You just paid Fred VanVleet. Pascal's not going anywhere. OG's probably not going anywhere. Um he's Kyle Lowry's their only guy that makes sense to move. Uh it would hurt. Uh won a title with the city, just been really great for Toronto for a long time. Leader of that group. I'd be a little nervous about Toronto moving. And it's like, okay, well, what what happens here? Who who fills that leadership void? Is it Fred Van Fleet? I don't know. Is Fred Van Fleet a league guard on a great team? Don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out. Um With the Raptors falling off, what what is interesting to you about it, and who makes the most sense for Kyle Lowry for you? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.
0: Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I mean the most the whole pivotal piece I feel like is Cal Lowry because they're only two and a half games out of the 10th spot and mm. they've been weirdly up and down this year. So it, so if they hold on to Lowry, then they, they have a real shot at making the playoffs. And that's that's a really annoying eight seed out yes. if, if they win the playing game or like you would not want to play this team in the first round. That, that that would just be obnoxious. So the real question is, you know, do they have confidence that he'll resign in the summer? It doesn't seem uh, likely. Um, so trading him now would, would net you some value and, and maybe get you a young piece, a pick. You could start rebuilding around them and Boucher and Van Vliet still young and Siakam still young and you're you're sort of a middling playoff team with all these young guys plus assets and developing pieces that could grow into something bigger. So, you know, uh, Lowry trade does look good if, if he's not going to resign. If he does resign, I'm not even sure what the pass up is for the Raptors like do you even want to resign him at this age do you see where where the ceiling can go because they're they're obviously not having a great season right now and uh, Lowry's not getting any younger so I think a trade makes sense uh the Sixers I feel like uh, everyone's saying the Sixers so it's a pretty pretty common answer but uh, they have like the pieces I I think Theibel has to go in a trade I think they got to let go of a pick and then some salary It'd be funny to see Danny Green just go right back to Toronto in a deal like that. Um, I, I think they would be a fantastic fit for Lowry. Um, but he's also been linked with the Heat. Um, I don't want my Knicks to trade for him. Or wait, wait till free agency, but... The Knicks fit. I don't fit. I don't
2: like the Knicks, the Knicks fit. I, I don't really... I don't you, understand that.
0: You don't think Lowry under Thibs and a team that desperately needs a point guard?
2: They don't desperately need a mean, point guard. They need to get healthy. They just need, like... Derek Rose out of uh, protocol. You need quickly's fine. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know. Do they really need another point guard? Do you really want to keep adding to that room?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's quickly, I think can play a little off ball. Like him and Rose off the bench it mm-hmm. has been a really nice combination. So that leaves room for a sort of starter to come in. That's that's not Alfred Payton. Or, I was going to say, Franklin, that's I'm all sorry. it is. It's
2: like you want to upgrade the Alfred Payton spot. You want him out of the rotation. Like you don't want the elf experience anymore. I understand it. I have the Rondo experience in Atlanta. Um, We just these kind of guards. I can't, I can't do it anymore, but I don't know who fits that. Like, I don't think Kyle Lowry is enough. And I don't think that makes sense because if you're trading Kyle Lowry, you're doing him a solid by sending him to a contender, like I don't think the Raptors are looking at it as like, let's get the all-time great value. I think they're probably going to go to Kyle and just be like, where do you want to go? Here are our offers like here. Who of this group would you be most interested in? I would guess Philly would be number one, but I don't know, man. Like if I am, if I'm Milwaukee, like, are you not seriously interested? Like, I understand the the questions about how those guys all fit together, but I'm like, how sure are you that you're going to be Brooklyn in a seven game series? How Sure. Like, uh, the, just uh, if you had to put all your chips in, are you really sure that this group with Middleton being the closer is going to be enough to match the firepower of Brooklyn? Do you really believe that? Because I don't. Um, I don't know. Kyle Lowry in Miami, I guess, is the most interest, like, the most realistic. If I had to bet right now, if he does get moved, where does he go? I would guess Miami just because they really could stand to uh, make the most of Kyle Lowry at this point. And I just think him and Jimmy would just be so much fun. And then Goran getting back to bench Goran and Nunn just being an emergency piece, um, I think would be important Ma- for them. But uh, I My question
0: know. with the heat is what what would they have to give up for Lowry? Because I think I see the, the mold of the Sixers trade and I think it's fine. I feel like Toronto would need a young piece back or, or picks. And what, what would Miami have to give up here? Cause I mean, like, you don't not, do, ta- you don't, do not giving hero. Hero.
2: yeah, you're not giving and up. No, you
0: hero. don't do, do you do Robinson?
2: <sighs> That's a lot of shooting go- out the door. Like he is so important yeah. for their shooting. Um, That's, and they already don't, don't have a lot shooting. of shooting. Mm, I don't know, man. Do you, is it.
0: Cause was to them. You don't even have many young pieces. that I feel like you're willing to give up that Toronto would, would jump at. you know?
2: Let me see. I'm going to Precious
0: is still a rookie.
2: Mm, I mean, not I guess. The Hawks the precious? Hey, why not the Hawks? Maybe it's Precious. Say it again. Why not the Hawks? Oh, no. Absolutely well, Reddish salary? No, 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 no. Like, I think he would throw the ball at Trey Young, like three weeks in. <laughs> he he um, has no any, interest. Any
0: team that sees a semi-championship window... And and think that think they can convince Lowry to re-sign and maybe at a reasonable contract. I, I think they should they should jump at the risk. Like he's the best name available as far as like a non-market upgrade, like a significant material upgrade.
2: It's unfortunate the Clippers just have no avenue to getting Kyle Lowry. That's probably my favorite one. and I think it would make the Clippers the favorite to win the NBA title if they were able to swing him. But he's just they don't have enough. They they just do not have enough. And they're going to have to settle for like nope. George Hill.
0: I don't know who they're supposed to trade for any of these guys that are linked to. Like, mm. what are they going to give up for, for, uh, I keep bringing it back to the all. round. I'm sorry. Mm. The way you have me on for, but like, what are they going to give up for Alfred Payton? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Like, you I should have to pay, the Knicks should have real. to
2: pay um, assets and pay money to get off Alfred Payton.
0: They, they should have to, but presumably there's, there's some teams out there that want him. I keep seeing his name with the Clippers, but I don't know.
2: The Clippers. Uh, that's that's crazy. I, I don't buy it. I can't do it. Watch too much Elfred Peyton in my life. I I can't <laughs> imagine you being a Knicks fan this year and watching a bunch of Elfred Payton. Yeah, I don't know. Uh maybe you call the Bulls about Kobe White. Hey, is he uh is he a guy that y'all still think can be a lead guard in a good team? No? Alright. Uh we'll we'll we're interested. I would call about that. Zach Levine is the guy, I guess. Um, another one who hasn't been mentioned as of late. I guess they're just keeping him. I guess Zach Levine's just a, a Bulls lifer.
0: I don't mind it. I, I, I like him. I, I don't mind it. For I the like goal. him a
2: lot more he's than I used to. I will say that.
0: Yeah, he's just a really damn good scorer. And I think the other things are, are coming along slowly. And I think if you're in a more of a winning culture and a winning team with different guys around you, that you might get a little more of that out of Levine. Um, yeah, he's still young.
2: That's fair. That's fair. Um, the last thing I want to pick your brain about David today: the Sacramento Kings, who <laughs> Marvin Bagley is now being thrown into trade markets. It's really sad, man, because I really have no idea what he is, and I wonder what his career looks like if he doesn't have the injury bug the way that he does. Um, it's just brutal. Um, he's not had enough opportunity there. He's shown flashes, like I think the rebounding and shooting will eventually be there. Um not sure about the defense and it's always gonna be a weird fit with him because he's not a good enough defender to be a long-term five. He's obviously not fast enough to be able to cover a lot of modern day four. So it's just, he's really going to be difficult to build around um, with just his skill set and his, just the way he plays. Like, I, I just, I don't know. He's always going to be a tough guy to build around. Um, pistons are heavily linked to Bagley. I wouldn't hate it. Like pistons just need to be taking flyers on every young guy. Who's interesting. Um, I don't, know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, what do you think about Bagley? And also would you keep Harrison Barnes? Because Jonathan Sharks of the ringer had a really good piece about just keeping Barnes. Cause he actually fits the timeline of Halliburton and Fox better than people might think. Cause I think people just think Harrison Barnes is a lot older than he is. And you need somebody who can mesh well, because this roster is just really barren around those two. And it seems like Heald's probably the best trade chip. Like Heald, I'd be interested to see what they can get for him. And I actually think he'd help a lot more contenders. Um, and is more interesting as a trade chip than uh Bagley. But um what what would you do if you're uh Monty in uh in Sacramento at the deadline? Do you do you believe in the, the scenario where it's like it's Halliburton and Fox, that's our backcourt of the future. Do you go full Portland? and just build around those two and just figure it out with vets um, and make your use of Nurkic trades and uh, acquire your Rokos and stuff like that. And hope that your two lead guards uh, can uh, push, push the envelope and get you back into the playoffs.
0: I think that's a a perfectly fine and probably correct strategy. I I think Fox and Tyrese are are really legit. I think they play well together and they're both, both young Fox is only 24 and, yeah, I think building around those two is right. Whether that means trade everyone else, that's where the discussion happens. So you look at the age gap, it's Fox, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Bagley, weren't the young guys, and there's a big gap. And then around, you get to age 28, you have Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, and they're both you know solid complementary pieces. But if you want to get more on Fox's and Tyrese's timeline, you know maybe you trade those two, like you said, to a contender, get some picks, get some young guys, whatever it may be. Uh, the, the thing is, Like you said, Heald and Barnes, both playing well, both good pieces. Um, Talent-wise, you know, you look at the Kings, if you're planning on making the playoffs in in coming years, you want that level of talent. And it's not like their contracts are are too bad. And and I like what they contribute, Barnes especially defensively. Um, I have a weird one here. Why not trade Rashawn Holmes?
2: Mm. Well, he also just said he wants to be with Sacramento for a long time, and you don't get many guys who just actually want to be there long term. So do you really want to move on from that? I love Holmes. I think he's really good.
0: Fair enough. So I didn't hear that. So fair enough. I'll retract that. But uh, you know, so I was an uh, unrestricted free agent this summer, probably due for a payday after his play this year. Um, he's also on the older end with Heald and Barnes. So I had assumed he's going to get money back thrown at him by everyone in the league and the Kings wouldn't really have uh, levers to keep him. but. I maybe mean, we on there. So since he wants to stay, uh, then, then I'll retract that previous statement. Um, Hilton Barnes would have a lot of suitors. Um, I don't think they should trade Bagley. You could, if they really have bad info on him, uh, or or I, w- I want to say info that says that, you know, he's he's not going to meet the potential that that they thought of. But yeah, maybe this is a weirdly sell high moment for them. Um, I don't think that's right. Like, I think he'll get it together. The defense is the most suspect. Like you said, it's it's really tough to watch. Sometimes it looks like he has no idea what he's doing on that end. Um, but someone that young, that high of a lottery pick, I feel like you don't want to you don't want to give on, up on him this early unless there's a return waiting for you. That's that's super
2: beneficiary. Interesting. Um, all right, give me your your hottest NBA trade deadline pick that you're going to make. Not. Just like the most random or anything, like that, you think in your heart of hearts, you're like, people aren't talking about this, but I think this is what happens. You're number one.
0: I think, I think it's going to be a really quiet deadline. I think it'll okay. be very boring. I, I don't know. It, it just seems like there's going to be some surprise thing that no one saw It's always like one trade that has not been talked about at all mm-hmm. that just flips in out of nowhere. You know, because we, we're usually talking about the same sort of names and teams. Um, yeah, I don't have anything. I, I think that my hot take is this going to be a boring deadline. Forget all the Zach Levine, GT. forget the Bradley Beals, all these names getting thrown out there. You're going to see a couple of rotational pieces move around. You're going to see the buyout market hot. But I think this is going to be a very common, cool trade. I hope this is a reverse jinx and we get madness, by the way. Mm. I hope I'm dead wrong and we just get some absurdity. But I, I just don't see it this year. I feel like it's a weird year. The window's so open. We're we're this deep in the season and no one really knows anything, I feel like. The playoffs in the east are, are just a mess right now. Um, even in the west the seeding can move and you know, now with LeBron hurt, Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn's looking like the favorite, but dude, there's a new favorite every, every other week. So uh, I think all this wide openness a lot of people want to buy and there, there aren't a lot of sellers. I don't know.
2: I think someone's gonna surprise seller wise. Like I think maybe it's the Pacers. Maybe it's, um, I don't know. Like, and I think there's going to be a mysterious buyer, like the wizards buy cause I think they probably believe that Beal is going to stay. And if they think Beal is going to stay, then they do something that's like, Whoa, okay. They're, they're really going for the playoffs. Um, my hottest one is that the Sixers are going to do something big. That is my biggest, like that is something I just haven't where I'm like, Daryl Morey knows. And it's hard of hearts. He can say he loves the five man unit that he has in Philadelphia. Tobias is playing great. Um, Joel Embiid obviously playing an MVP level Ben Simmons defensive player of the year stuff like all that's great I I just I think he's too smart of a guy to believe that he thinks that he can beat the Nets in a seven game series with this group I just I don't think he actually believes that and I think he also believes that they're close and they are so I just I am I, I just can't get around that he is going to do something bigger like maybe it's making a call about Old Depot and he's like he's gone after the year anyway just another offensive piece that can maybe get us over the top. I just think the Sixers are going to do something very surprising. I think they are going to make a bigger swing. Maybe it's Zach Levine out of nowhere. They acquire Zach Levine, and then it's like, oh, okay, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I don't know. Like that's I mean, a, it's I mean, better yeah. than Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, I like I just, the I like the Lowry clip better. I think, I don't yeah. know if that counts as a big. So I think that's a big swing for them, but they. They managed to get him. And I can see it. Uh, I'll I, you know, i preface my, my cool trade deadline talk with that. I, I, I can see the Sixers going and grab, grab Lowry.
2: They're going to have to do something because I think they're going to waste an all-time great Joel Embiid season if they don't make a big swing. I just think they have to. And I think Maury probably knows that he's playing with fool, with uh, fool's money with um, Joel Embiid's health. Like you just never know year to year. Like one year it's just going to be over and it's going to be sad. And I'm going to hate it because I love Joel Embiid and I love watching him play basketball, but it's just going to happen. Bigs just don't it's not going to work. Like eventually um it's just going to end. It's going to end very sadly. Um David, what can we check out from you this week at SMY?
0: Uh just sent over some pitches to matter, so I'm going to have some positive Knicks coverage coming through. Uh, um looking into how they just just played well through all these injuries. No Mitch Robinson. He just came back. Um, well, Austin Rivers has been out. Doug Rose has been out. There's a lot of missing pieces, and they've, they've held firms. And just going to gush about R.J. Barrett and stuff like that. If you it's into that sort of thing, you can read that.
2: All right. Well, go do that, David. Keep up the great work, my friend, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: Yeah, great talking to you, man. Have a good one.
2: All right, we're back on the Chase podcast, and I am now joined by a first timer from Brew Hoop, a very good Milwaukee Bucks blog that you should go check out if you have not already. Andrew Goodman is here. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, hey, happy Monday. Doing well. Really appreciate you having me on your show.
2: Well, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. Um, the Bucks are interesting. Uh, David Birchberger of SMY and I were just talking about the Bucks and a bunch of other uh, NBA things that. Uh, listeners already got to listen to it the first part of this podcast but um i wanted to get more of a deep dive into this bucks team because i think they're very interesting i think this year is very interesting for them um the top of the east is fascinating i kind of want to just fast forward to the eastern Mm -hmm. conference final four just to see what all this looks like um and also just play the games and see how it unfolds but the bucks are in a weird spot and they just traded for pj tucker brick lopez who i want to ask you about looks really bad nikai's duncan of the basketball news mm-hmm. had a really good clip i think this was last night of brooke just passing up an open three and taking a weird one footer uh, with a hand in his face like he looks really slow and um i don't know i just i, th- I have a lot i want to throw at you with the bucks um let's start with pj tucker how does he change things uh in the immediate term for the milwaukee bucks
1: sure absolutely um I'd like to coin myself as the president of the PJ Tucker fan club. So I might be a little biased here, but I think PJ Tucker, when you think of how he fits in with the Milwaukee bucks, he's just what the doctor ordered. You know, he is up there in age and I don't think he's going to necessarily give you a lot offensively. He does provide excellent force floor spacing. As we know, excellent corner three point shooter. His numbers are down. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of contributing it both to his age and the situation. He was in in Phoenix, obviously, or not Phoenix, I'm sorry, in Houston, obviously not great for a veteran like him. But when you talk about P.J. Tucker and how he fits in with the Bucks, he's going to bring the floor spacing. And I think the most important aspect is what he brings defensively. And the acquisition of P.J. Tucker, all this means is that head coach Mike Budenholzer and the Bucs are going to be doubling down on switching from here on out, um, probably predominantly, you know, in the postseason as well. So this does um, signify a switch, which, you know, the Bucs have been um, experimenting, if you want to say that, since the beginning of the season. You know, the NBA quickly figured out at the beginning of the year that, you know, their patented drop coverage is just so easy to exploit. And, you know, it. it you know, as a Bucks fan and blogger, it does make me feel – better that they did experiment and you know they did have trial and error and you do have to struggle in order to you know identify your weaknesses and improve but pj tucker the way he communicates on the floor even when he's not on the floor um eric name of the athletic he covers the bucks he you know got a quote from Giannis where i'm just paraphrasing here Giannis is like you know even first game first day with the team and he's not on the floor but you know he's on the bench communicating with all the guys like pointing out, you know, their defensive responsibilities and he's only been with the team for two days. So I think the biggest benefit a is the bucks are going to be able to double down on switching and it will give Brooke Lopez some much needed rest. As you noted um, earlier in the introduction, he is super slow. I think if you put him in a foot race with a tortoise, the tortoise might actually beat him. Mm. So once, if you're able to, you know, stagger Brooke Lopez's minutes, keep him fresh he has you know played a bit better um since the all-star break so i wonder if um the added rest has benefited brooke lopez but yeah just having that veteran presence that is going to be a communicator when he's on and off the floor someone who will space the floor and someone who can essentially guard really one through five and this is a guy who has played in many playoff series he's gone up against some of the best centers in both the east and western conference so i think this was a move that the bucks needed to make and i am for sure glad to be able make it
2: okay so you've got that you've got Giannis, um you've got middleton you've got drew are you a believer that dante Divincenzo is the closing five in that important seven game series with either philadelphia or brooklyn or do you think they still need to address that before the deadline
1: you know, I do have a decent amount of confidence in Dante DiVincenzo's defensive ability. He has been, I won't say stalwart, he's been short of a stalwart, but he's been, he's been very good defensively. He does play the passing lanes very well. He does occasionally make very unnecessary gambles, as we saw in that um, game last week against the Philadelphia 76ers, where he gambled for that pass coming in, two for Concord Maz, where he, you know, then proceeded to hit the shot that it into OT. So I am actually fairly confident and okay with Dante DiVincenzo playing in the crunch time. I'm also, another aspect of the acquisition of P.J. Tucker here is, are they going to, are the Bucks going to opt to play Pat Connaughton um, in the crunch time? Because in the last few weeks, Connaughton's played very well, has earned his role in crunch time. So I think if you're looking at it from Bucks perspective, they've shown that they've Had, you know, a lot of of trust and a lot of confidence in Divincenzo since his rookie season. So I do believe that Mike Fudehoser is going to be trotting him out there in crunch time. And it's not something I necessarily have a problem with because you know what you're going to get with him defensively. He's tough. My only issue with him, Dante is pretty solid off a catch and shoot. But once, you know, you get him into creating his own shot, it's kind of like... Of like a roller coaster ride you know you never know what you're going to get when he's not catching it off the catch a shoot and his finishing while it has quote-unquote improved it's still you know his layup package is it's wild you know he makes these he makes these relatively routine layups look you know really difficult so that does concern me my concern with him is more on the offensive end than it is defensively
2: interesting um so i think about what kind of interesting packages they might run. So the defense with Mm -hmm. Milwaukee this year has been different. You've talked about drop coverage. You've talked about the switching. Like Milwaukee has played a specific type of defense. They've been one of the NBA's best defensive teams in the last couple of years. Um, Things have changed a little bit this year, and they've kind of been a little bit worse defensively than they've been in years past. But part of that is because of the way they're playing um what have you seen if you had to explain to somebody who has not watched a lot of bucks this year Mm -hmm. what is going to look the most different come playoff time about the way that they are playing defensively
1: switch 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 and more switch baby but you know the acquisition of drew holiday they basically flipped close to 50 percent of their roster this offseason so they did struggle defensively at the beginning of the year which from that From that point of view, it is frustrating to watch the Bucks struggle defensively because as you mentioned, you know, they were elite defensively the last two years, consistently led the league and a lot of advanced defensive metrics. But once you flip your entire roster and now you have a guy like True Holiday who again can guard one through four, even one through five um, during certain matchups on the floor, it just changes things. And you know, once Drew Holiday was brought in, the Bucks were still trying to go to that drop coverage, which you know that didn't last very long, and I'm really glad actually that the Bucks got Drew Holiday because they didn't get him. Like, who knows if they would even be experimenting? But once you have a guy like Drew Holiday who is experienced with switching, it just sort of changes your whole dynamic. As we know, um, Drew Holiday is regarded as one of the best perimeter defenders in all the NBA, and you know I think Holiday was actually an advocate for some of these changes defensively and. We ha- As a Bucks blogger, we haven't really seen Mike Boonholzer adjust defensively in years prior. We saw that when they went up 2-0 against Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. Then they lost four straight. And then last year in the playoffs, they got burned by Miami from deep. So I'm glad. Holiday's in, he's, it, he's that enforcer defensively. So now they ha- he was really the only guy that's, uh, of course, before the acquisition of P.J. Tucker, that was, you know, acclimated to switching. So I think that's why the Bucks did struggle defensively for the first month or so um, at the beginning of the season because you have one guy who switches really well, but then you have four other guys who are used to, you know, this drop zone coverage and the trial and error. You know, like I keep saying, trial and error. They did struggle, but now it seems like they're hitting their stride, and by switching, they're running a little bit of different action, and they're running running um, perimeter players off the three-point line in which, you know, their, last, their defensive numbers the last few weeks have looked really awesome.
2: How has Drew been? Because I think we may have forgotten just how much the Milwaukee gave up to get Drew Holiday this season. Um, in your estimation, do you think it's been worth it thus far?
1: Oh, absolutely. When you look at the Bucks, I know on paper it looks like they kind of just mortgaged their future and was like, all right, we're basically going all in here with Drew, which is what I love. Because if you look at it from this perspective, the Bucks have Giannis and Dedekumbo, who is arguably, you know, going to go down as one of the best players in NBA history. So, from my standpoint, what do first-round picks bring to the table when you're a team that's going to be contending for a championship? So, for me, I'm totally okay with giving up these picks. They definitely needed to part with Eric Bledsoe. That's no disrespect to. Eric Bledsoe, he did fine in his tenure with the Bucs, but they just needed that presence that's going to elevate, you know, the Bucs on both ends of the floor um, come playoff time. That's what the Bucks desperately needed. So when you're looking at, at the haul that the Pelicans got, like really not overly concerned that this is going to be something that the Bucs regret. And in terms of holidays, um, just all-around presence, you know, I've been gushing about his defensive ability since we've been speaking, but. You know, just the way he's invigorated and changed this offense. So Mike Budenholzer has, you know, implemented the dunker spot, which is basically along the baseline. So Drew Holiday, you watch him play. This guy is a baseline maestro, makes some of these crazy passes on the baseline into shooters. And he he just has such a great feel from the court. And that opens a lot of things up for the Bucks. So this was definitely an A-plus move in my book.
2: Interesting. Um, Do you expect it to be quiet from here on out uh, from Milwaukee, or do you think that there is something else that you would not be surprised to see them address um, before the deadline?
1: I guess it depends how you define quiet. I guess quiet in the terms that they're not going to make another big splash. They're not going to make another particular Tucker
2: type trade. They're going to just add a a um, ninth or 10th guy for their playoff deck. Right,
1: exactly. And the issue now is, well, they got rid of D.J. Augustine, so now they really don't have a backup point guard, which it's not a terrible issue, but, you know, it's important to have depth because knock on wood, God forbid something happens. You know, we also, we saw Drew Holiday, he missed about two weeks um, due to a positive COVID test. So I believe the move that the Bucks are going to make is for another uh, backup point guard. I've seen um, on Twitter, like Austin Rivers, his name being thrown around. Um, Potential the Bucks interested in him, I'm not not really sure how I feel about that move they They don't need another um, three point shooter. They need someone who can um, play defense. so I believe the next move the bucks are going to make is to bring in another guard.
2: interesting, all right, man. Well, this has been great. I appreciate you making the time, Andrew. What can we check out from you this week at Brew hoop?
1: Absolutely, yeah, so for Brew hoop, I do a lot of game coverage, so if you want to just go over on Hoop.com. I do the extended recaps, which are basically, you know, long form recaps, given three observations of the game, you know, analyzing both both teams, the Bucs and their opposing team, a little what we learned section about the game, which is a nice little interesting tidbit. Um, our editors, Adam and Mitchell, threw out there, which I think, you know, adds a nice little wrinkle and some bonus bits. So you get a little bit of everything from the recap, and those are usually posted the morning after the game. And you can also um, see my stuff on Twitter at Andrew, the letter G, underscore N-B-A.
2: All right. Well, go key up the great work, my friend. And thank you so much for the time.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.